And if you're an entrepreneur, a startup, or a small business owner, you probably get frustrated by employee management issues, especially if that's not your area of expertise. Sure, you like people, but the hiring, the firing, promotions, requests for raises, performance reviews, this one doesn't get along with that one. It's an overwhelming number of employment laws and it can get totally crazy, sometimes enough to make your head spin and your stomach churn every time someone knocks on your door and says, have you got a minute? But it doesn't have to be like that. Today's guest, Ann Close, is going to show you a smarter and easier way to stay on top of employment issues and how to nurture your organization as it grows. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Your employees are your biggest asset and they can help you grow your business faster than you can do it yourself. Human resources is one of the few assets that can appreciate over time, and I'm eager to learn more from Anne about how to do that without it chewing up all your time. Anne is a certified PHR, that's Human Resource Professional, with more than 20 years of experience who works with startups and small businesses to give you the big picture perspective on the steps necessary to meet compliance requirements, how to apply best human resource practices, and to reflect your company culture and values. She's the HR game planner and the managing member of Close HR Connections, LLC. It's an HR coaching and consulting firm who supports your evolving HR needs on a fractional basis. And as an HR generalist, she can assist with the creation of employee handbooks, job descriptions, hiring your next employee, reviewing your current benefit plans, conducting your first performance review, or even terminating an employee, as unpleasant as that can be. You want to make sure you do that right. Anne is famous for her local HR 101 classes, and she's passionate about helping you develop defensive strategies to tackle compliance issues, offensive strategies to build your dream team, and special team strategies to distinguish you as a leader in your marketplace. That's why I'm delighted to welcome Anne to Business Confidential today to talk about human resource management in a nutshell. Welcome to Business Confidential, Anne. Thank you, Hannah. It's great to be with you this morning. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to have you here today because for most businesses, especially small businesses, HR is just one of those things, sort of like a dark cloud that hangs above them, and they're afraid it's going to rain at any particular point in time. In your experience, what seems to be the biggest challenge that small business owners face when it comes to HR issues? Um, it definitely is communication. Uh, but the business owner is focused on growing the business. He's connecting the dots or she's connecting the dots on a daily basis, and they just assume that by ESPN that the employees are catching 
all those dots as well. And it's just not how it works. You have to intentionally communicate to employees and let them know what your expectations are and what the business goals are and what, how they fit into all that. And oftentimes that, that gets missed just because you're so busy focused on growing the business. You just assume that you've communicated those things, which in most sense, uh, senses you haven't done effectively. So they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines wondering what they need to do next. That's interesting. So when it comes to communications, what are the types of things that people miss doing? How can they fill those gaps? What should they be doing in order to effectively get the message out on a consistent basis? Definitely have an intentional uh, periodic employee team meetings and let them know what's going on, uh, what business just closed, what's a new product that's getting ready to get launched, uh, maybe a customer complaint that's come in three or four times that definitely needs some focus so that we improve the customer service on, on overall. Also, you know, things like handbooks and job descriptions, I know that those are sort of uh, seen as evil uh, or things that just, you know, why bother? But it's a great communication tool to let folks know the culture of the business, uh, what's important to the business, what the expectations of the employee are, what to do when there's inclement weather, you know, what, what are their job responsibilities? Those types of tools can also be very helpful in communicating. And then performance reviews, you know, people want to know how they're doing, good or bad, and oftentimes uh, that those types of communication opportunities are overlooked or just not uh, set aside the appropriate time to do. Uh, they might be hit or miss here or there, but they really need to be intentional. And then ask them, you know, are there some things that, that you're having trouble with that we can, you know, make a change or give you some additional training or just talk through so that the employee does know exactly what they're supposed to be doing and they understand if they need help, who to go to, so that you pull all those things together and you can have ongoing communication so that everybody's on the same page. It's just like, you know, going out on the, on the football field. If your quarterback is the only one that knows the play, all those other 10 folks, they're just kind of standing around and you're not going to be very successful moving the ball down the field. But if you have those intentional communication times or huddle times to tell them what the play is and what's going on and what direction we're going, you're going to be much more successful at scoring and growing the business and, uh, having everybody on the same team and actually you know, being very successful. But you have to be intentional. You have to communicate and let everybody know what is the play, what's going on, what's going on with the business. Uh, so, you know, it's just a combination of things, but definitely communication on a regular basis in different forms is very important. Well, let's drill down a little bit about these huddle times. Because one of the things employees dread in business is... Meetings, meetings that seem like interminable and that have these, you know, if they even have an agenda, yes. they just go on forever. It's like, oh, please help me get out of this. So let's talk about these huddle times, like how frequently, what should they look like? Give me some more info. When you're small, it's definitely a good opportunity maybe just to get together on a monthly basis. It doesn't have to be long. It shouldn't be long. Uh, 30 minutes, maybe 45 at tops. And that you also use that opportunity to celebrate. Uh, oftentimes companies don't celebrate wins and that's very important that everybody knows that, Hey, we, we did close that deal or, Hey, we have improved our customer service or our quality or whatever the case might be. And uh, do something very simple. Just have uh, ice cream sandwiches or, you know, buy a couple of tubs of vanilla ice cream and some hot fudge and let everybody make a hot fudge Sunday while you're having this meeting. And, but really just focus on two or three points 
uh, keep it short, keep it sweet. Um, make sure that you do recognize, you know, a performance that's been gone above and beyond. And then call it a day and let everybody break huddle and go back to work or go home. Uh, oftentimes, at the end of the day, is a good time to have those types of meetings. And then like, there's a little bit of buzz afterwards. People will stay around and talk, maybe ask some questions. Um, but definitely uh, on a monthly basis, something like that. Then as far as, you know, the other times, definitely department meetings are good. And even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes, uh, kind of set the pace for the week. And then, obviously, performance reviews, they should be done at least annually, um, but definitely more along the lines of maybe semi-annually to, again, communicate because things change. So why wait for a whole year to sit down and talk? Um, and then as far as the, the handbooks and job descriptions, you know, those kind of things usually, you know, get looked at once a year. Uh, but they're also fluid documents. So if your business all of a sudden changes and you have a new direction or some new opportunities, then you just want to update those things and communicate out so that people aren't wondering what's going on. Uh, they have the information in a timely fashion. You can't tell them everything all the time up front, but you definitely can at least communicate uh, some essential things so that at least they are informed and part of what's going on and they're not standing around the water cooler wondering. And then that definitely um, negatively impacts productivity when they're left to wonder instead of being intentionally communicated to. That's a good point about people just standing around and wondering because they feel left out and then they speculate. And that can be worse than if you just give them the news, even if it's bad news. At least they know where they stand. They feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. So that's all very good. That's all very exactly. good. Yeah, not knowing is the worst thing in the world. If you know good or bad, at least you can deal with it. But speculation can run rampant. And then you got rumor mills going all over the place. And now you have a whole new problem. Yeah, a bigger problem. And the thing is, once the bias starts setting in, then other information gets funneled in order to reinforce that looking for the bad information. So I, I certainly agree with you. Exactly. More managers could recognize that they very much are. I love your, your sports analogy here, even though sometimes people get a little, little put off by sports. But it really is a coaching function in order to help each of the team members pull their weight to perform to their capacity and and help improve their skills so that the whole team moves forward, which moves the business forward. So that's exactly. all really great. Now, in, in uh, all of your years of experience, and it's it really is impressive, I can imagine that you have seen some common mistakes besides the communications that people make in the area of wage and hour violations, some boo-boos. Talk to me about some of those. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, actually had an example a couple of years ago, um, a new business owner decided he uh, was going to give the option to the folks that he was bringing on board as to whether they wanted to be independent contractors or employees. And they all picked to be independent contractors, but they only worked for this one particular company, drove company vans, wore company shirts, filled out timesheets, were paid through payroll. Not They didn't take any payroll taxes out, but they paid them through payroll. Then one of the folks got disgruntled and left, went to the Employment Security Commission office and filed for unemployment. The Employment Security Commission said, where did you say you work? And they told him, and they said, well, we're sorry, we don't have any record of having employees at that company. And the individual said, well, yes, I was employed there. So they called the company, employee and the commission, said, we'd like to come out and visit. And that's when I got a phone call to say, could you come and sit in on the the investigation with us. So I did and found out very quickly that the employer had given them the option, which 
uh, it's not an option to make someone an independent contractor an employee. It's all based on, you know, what are they doing? Uh, how much control do you have over them? Uh, are they an actual business to where you can legitimately contract them out as an independent contractor? Uh, the IRS and the Department of Labor are both cracking down on having an individual be a contractor if you're the sole source of their financial resources. So uh, we quickly made the adjustment and put everybody on payroll, and we paid the fines and penalties that were associated with that, which was money that if the employer had done a little bit of due diligence and gone ahead and made them employees originally, he could have saved about $25,000 and kept that in his business to grow it versus paying uh, government uh, entities for, you know, fines and penalties and whatnot. So it's definitely not an option, and people need to realize that if they only work for you, then they're probably an employee. If they have a legitimate business and other clients and they have their own insurance and those types of things, then yes, they would be a legitimate uh, contractor because it's business to business. It's not an individual. But for the most part, the you know Department of Labor, Employment Security Commission, Wage and Hour, anybody uh, they pretty much consider everybody an employee unless it is a business-to-business -business situation, and they'll do what they can to, to you know, show that, which as a business, you want to be very careful because, again, it can cost you a lot financially besides time and effort uh, to go back and have to pay the penalties and fines for not making the right decision. That's right. You're going to owe the taxes regardless, plus all those those added costs. So it's not optional if you're not sure. Please right. get advice from a seasoned HR professional, from an employment lawyer who deals in this exactly. stuff all the time. Because uh, the IRS, when it comes to money, come on, we all know how they are. They want their money, <laughs> and they don't like it. That's when right. find creative ways around that. It's just that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. exactly. It's that simple. It's, yeah, truly. So. It's uh, you don't get to choose. You need to understand the requirements and and see which one truly applies. Now, another area in the wage and hour that I've noticed has really had an uptick in terms of enforcement action is overtime pay. And while a downturn in your business or a recession can create a cash flow crunch, so I can understand wanting to be creative. But there's creative and then there's illegal. <laughs> so we, we want to be careful. We exactly. We want to be careful. So what have you seen in the overtime arena? Um, oftentimes, uh, you're right. We're, small businesses are trying to be creative and they just put everybody on a salary. Again, it's not you just get to pick. It's based on uh, the, the job itself. You know, What kind of responsibilities do they have? What kind of tasks do they have? Do they have any decision-making authority, do they have the right to sign a contract on behalf of the company, or are they mostly task-oriented where they require supervision and authority to you know, move from one step to the next? And in that case, then you can put them either in as non-exempt or exempt. And sometimes people sort of mix up those terms and also call them salaried and hourly. Uh, they're not interchangeable terms. You can have a salaried, non-exempt person or you're paying them 40 hours a week at their rate, but they're still eligible for overtime, anything over 40 hours. So again, it's not a choice as to what you make them. There is criteria that you need to look at and follow because, uh, again, if you get audited and you have somebody listed as a, an exempt person who's really non-exempt, then you're going to owe all those back taxes and fines and penalties on that person. So it's definitely something that you need to get some advice on and make sure you make the right decisions so that you don't have 
issues that come up if you get audited where again you're you know you're going to be writing a check with uh, several zeros after it to the government when you could have taken a little bit of time made the right decision and kept that money inside the company to grow it which is where it should be exactly and some jurisdictions i understand even require overtime for employees that more more than 8 hours in a single day not this is true 40 hours. depending on mhm very yeah. much so. So you have so, to check with your local um, Department of Labor for that state and find out what the regulations are so that you are compliant. Exactly. exactly. And, and that's just a, a one-time investment, but it pays huge dividends because, as you said, paying the fines after the fact isn't fun. And it can get very expensive if the time frame during which the taxes have not been properly withheld is long. So just exactly. because nobody's been knocking on your door doesn't mean it's it's right or that you're getting away with it. It just means the problem's getting bigger, and it, sometimes it causes people to close their doors. And actually, also, um, you know, you want to make sure it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And all the different government agencies have been hiring auditors, and they're, you know, they're broke. They need money, and they can only do so much on the tax side. So the rest of the revenue comes from fines and penalties from audits. So uh, they're definitely stepping up there and focus. And so, again, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And you want to be prepared because you don't normally get a very much notice. So it's not like you have a bunch of time to pull everything together. So you definitely need to be prepared when you do get that phone call or that letter in the mail. Well, that's a really good point about enforcement efforts being stepped up and that they have been hiring more investigators to help boost the job economy. <laughs> yes, exactly. That. I mean, to boost the revenue because they do make more money on, that's their version of time and a half called fines and penalties. <laughs> and it just multiplies really fast. So uh, not nobody wants that. Nobody wants no. that. Now, I know that one another big challenge on the employment side for growing businesses, whether they're entrepreneurs or they're small businesses, startups, whatever, finding the right employees. Hiring and doing it right is so important. But usually when people are in a bind like that, they want to hire the first person with a pulse that has a resume remotely <laughs> resembling what they need. So they hire yes. fast. And then you fire them. So, but you the exact opposite. Hire slow and fire fast. So yes. let's talk about that. Tell me more. Okay. Definitely want to take your time and hire the right person. And really, a culture fit is uh, number one. If they don't believe in what you're doing, if they don't have the same values, if they're not passionate about you know, whatever it is your business is about, then they can be the most skilled person in the world, and they're not going to be have as, as big an impact on the business as if, if you find the person that believes in what you're doing and has a passion and wants to, to you know, make the world a better place based on what you're doing. Because you can pretty much train most skill sets. They, they definitely need to come in with some sort of a baseline on the skill sets. But being able to fit in with the team, especially when it's a small team, if there's one person that's not happy, they immediately affect everybody else. And it's not something that can you know, be overlooked or push in the corner and close your eyes and hope it goes away. It doesn't. It just gets worse. So you should definitely hire slow, get the right person, make sure that their skill set is adequate, but definitely that they have a culture fit and ask the open-ended questions. What would you do if XYZ happened or how would you handle the situation? Get a feel for where they're coming from and, and again, you know, how do they handle things? Does it fit your culture? And then once you get them on board, especially that first 90 days of like a, an introductory period or an orientation period, 
uh, you want to make sure that you're communicating with them on a regular basis. Every two weeks, every three weeks, sit down. How's it going? You know, what are you struggling with? Here's what I've observed. And you as a business owner and a management team should be able to make a decision by approximately day 60 whether they're going to make it or not. Do they fit the organization? Do they have the skill sets? Are they trainable? And if they're not, then you need to make that decision in the next 30 days to, you know, end that situation. You need to give them the opportunity to move on to something that is a better fit. And you definitely need to go find someone that also is a better fit for your company uh, in the state of North Carolina, you definitely want to do that before 90 days because if they work for you less than 90 days, then it doesn't go against your employment security rating. They look at the last six full quarters. So if they don't work a full quarter for you, then they go back another quarter and take the last six. Other states, they do it a little bit different, but you still need to be making those decisions early on. Instead of letting someone drag on for six months or a year, they're not productive, they're causing issues. And a lot of it comes down to this confrontation, but it shouldn't be seen as confrontation. You're basically trying to do what's best for both parties. They're obviously not in a good fit for themselves, and it's also not a good fit for your team and your company. So the best thing to do is just agree on that and then move forward. Give them you know, some time maybe to you know, move out, but definitely make that decision early on so that you're not creating more problems or making it difficult for your team to focus and grow the business. So I would definitely suggest and definitely support hiring slow and firing fast. It also reinforces the idea that human resources is the type of area that managers need to stay on top of. These are serious matters that can have a big financial impact on your business if you guess wrong especially when it comes to addressing employee behaviors that are disruptive and fall short of your expectations. Some of the past guests that we've had have actually talked about how to have these types of conference. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> First okay. Yeah, but it's true because we do. We, we're afraid that we're going to have a, a confrontation that's going to blow up in our face. And so we avoid them. And one of our past guests here on Business Confidential talked exactly about how to start that conversation and the kinds of factors to focus on. Charlotte Purvis, and I would encourage our listeners to, to go into the archive and listen to that because she offers great advice on how to have that conversation. And since those first 90 days are so critical, it's important to, to keep monitoring that because... Yeah, maybe people are, are a little bit more on their best behavior. You're bound to have some stressful situations where they will reveal their true selves. So exactly, and also, and what in a small small business, you don't want the business owner having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with anyone, because now it's your word against theirs. And I promise you, in any sort of legal situation, the employee is going to win those um, questionable conversations every time. You should always have a third party involved and if you don't have a supervisor or a management type person that's where you need to get an outside third party that's objective that can participate in the conversation and help facilitate the conversation and then should something happen now you have a witness to what happened versus your word against theirs and if they refuse to sign say a written warning or whatever you're asking them you know to sign based on the conversation, then you've got a witness that says they refuse to sign. So now you are in a much stronger position versus trying to go into a situation where someone sued you and it's your word against theirs. More often than not, you're going to lose that. And it's not only the time and the effort away from the business and the focus, but also the financial resources are gone now. 
So for business owners, especially in small businesses, you don't ever want to have a conversation one-on-one with anyone when it comes to performance or terminations or anything, you know, discipline-wise. You should always have a third party in there to protect yourself. That's great advice, even for larger organizations, actually, any size organization. Mm -hmm. I know our, our time is starting to wind down here, and I really want to spend a minute or two having you talk about your HR game plan. What exactly is that? How can people stay on top of it as their business grows from startup to small business to raging, wildly successful <laughs> entrepreneur? Uh, basically, I start out with a client and I have an HR um, game plan analysis and I'm going to ask you lots and lots of questions about your company, where you are right now today, how do you do things, so that I can get a picture of you know what pieces are missing, what things might need to be just tweaked. Uh, Every once in a while, I come across something that I will tell you to cease and desist immediately because it's definitely not in your best interest. And then, of course, there's things that we need to add. But basically, focus on defense and HR is your compliance issues. So we want to just go out and see, okay, if you're a business of 25, you know, based on the employee number, what compliance issues are you responsible for? There's going to be a lot of things like family medical leave that doesn't come in effect until 50 that you don't have to worry about. So let's just look at what you're responsible for. We check off those boxes, make sure we have all those things in line. We set the defense on the bench, and we get the offense out on the field, and that's growing the company. And that's hiring people, that's training people, that's expanding maybe your customer service, uh, obviously adding you know, more clients, maybe it's adding a product line that you're going to have to now bring in a new skill set for. We focus on the offense and get the business growing. Then if we get an audit or someone does file an employment lawsuit, we just call a timeout. We bring the defense out and ask, okay, what do you need to see? Is it an audit for I-9s? Great. Here's the file. Here you go. So if you can produce that, they're looking for where there's smoke, there's fire. But if you can produce what they ask for and it's all in line, they know that there's not an opportunity for a whole lot of revenue. So they're going to check their box off and then go on to your neighbor because hopefully they aren't as you know organized as you are and on top of things. And they're going to go after the places where they think they can get more revenue. So then once the audit's over, put that back on the bench and get the offense on the field. The other piece is um, special teams. You have a story for clients to engage them to be, a, you know, clients, uh, you know, participate in your business so you, you can um, reach the people that you want to service and that you want to take care of and focus on and sell to. Well, in HR, you need a story for potential employees. We need to tell them about the company. How did it start? What's the focus of the company? What are the, the values that drive the company? What are the, some of the business goals that we're looking for? And that engages people. They can then see how I might be able to fit into that. And then basically we, you know, obviously talk to them about benefits. If you're a small business, you're probably not going to have a Cadillac plan, but you can offer something, even if it's just life insurance or a dental plan to start out with. And then let them know that intentionally as you grow, you're going to be adding benefits as you can afford them and you're going to make them, you know, available to the employees so that you don't start off with a Cadillac plan and then end up having to cancel things because you can't pay the premiums. That's the worst thing in the world. But you can start out small and intentionally add things. Again, you're kind of giving a picture to the folks that, hey, these folks, um, they are very intentional about how they're going to grow the business. They're very focused on making sure that they take care of their employees while they grow the business. This is a place where I want to be a part of. I'm okay with 
maybe not having medical insurance for a little while, I'll keep COBRA or I'll go out to the health care exchange and get something for the short term until they can offer something. And that really also helps your hiring process because now you're getting people that want to be a part of your story and they understand where you're going and they're willing to make some sacrifices in the short run while you are growing. And you put those three together and that's your HR game plan. And that HR game plan fits lockstep with your business plan. And as your business plan changes, it morphs and grows. We tweak the HR game plan to fit with that so that we're always able to sustain the growth and also continue to support the business so that it can you know, reach um, you know, different areas and, and boundaries that you know are long-term goals. So once you get past the friends and family stage, uh, definitely you need to start having pieces of the, that game plan in place, whether it's a handbook or job descriptions or a benefit plan. And again, you don't ever want to have one-on-one -on -one situations with an employee as a, an owner because that's definitely a, a no-man's land. So getting an outside resource you know, as a, on a fractional basis and then you know, as you grow the business, once you hit 50 or more employees, then it's definitely time to look on having a full-time person on site. But before that, you definitely don't want to just not do anything. You should be reaching out and taking advantage of the resources that are available so that you can focus on growing the business and delegate those HR responsibilities to someone that's going to support your business. Wow, that really boils it all down into a nutshell. But it also breaks it down into bite-sized manageable pieces that we can digest and then build on as our business grows. I thank you for that, Anne. Now, if someone wanted to get more information from you and contact you, how would they do that? Um, they can reach me in several different ways. Uh, they can go out to my website. It's uh, closehrconnections.com, uh, or they can email me at ann at closehrconnections.com, or they're welcome to give uh, the company a call, and it's area code 919-414-3611, and we would love to talk to you and see if there's some things that we can do to support you or at least point you in the right direction if it's not us. Excellent. Excellent. Any parting thoughts before we close? Small businesses are my passion. Uh, helping them grow and be successful is definitely where my heart is. And making sure that they don't have to pay money to a government agency or to a legal situation that they could have uh, avoided is definitely what the company is about. We want to support the, the business and help them stay away from those um, landmines and keep their focus on the business and grow and get the right people. Uh, so Close HR Connections is definitely there to support small businesses as they grow and love to be a part of their success. Thank you. That's wonderful. I appreciate those powerful insights and giving us the bird's eye view of the topic and tips for making this critical part of our business more manageable. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests 
those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.